Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Amen. We're going to start reading at verse 40 um, to get to frame you with a little bit of context. Uh, Genesis is God's, uh, God's story of creation, how he established the promise through Abraham. So much of the book of Genesis centers itself around the story of creation and the extension of the promise, or the institution, rather, of the promise. Exodus is the book by which Moses is raised up out of the Egyptian hand to, uh, to lead God's people to the place where God promised Abraham they would go in Genesis. Exodus, the back end of Exodus starts to express and help the children of Israel understand how God wants to be worshipped. Leviticus is now the book of the laws, or is a book of rules and regulations that would help the children of Israel understand how to be ceremoniously clean before God. And the ceremonious cleaning and the laws and the rules of the book of Exodus, all of them were put in place to show Israel how impossible it is for them to be holy without God. So now Numbers is the place where uh, is the place where God tells Moses that it is critical and it is important that now I am ready for you to go into the land that I promised you. But the people must be numbered or situated or re-censored again before I take them across. And Deuteronomy is the place, Deuteronomy means two, is the second law. God tells him, read the law again. In Numbers, you organize them. He said, in Deuteronomy, I want you to tell them the law again. Because the first time I told them to go to the promised land, they refused to go. And I gave them 40 years to walk in the desert to think about it. And now at Deuteronomy, he said, sit them down. In Numbers, he said, sit them down. In Deuteronomy, he says, tell them the law again. Because when you finish with the law, we're going to complete what I promised them they'd do. Okay? So here's where we are in Deuteronomy chapter 1. Is Moses has set the people down. He has them numbered by tribes. He's preparing to march them in. And he is standing before them. And he starts the language, the the history at square one. This is taking place, according to chapter one, this is taking place on the, the, in the 11th month of the 40th year of their, want, of their wandering in the wilderness. In other words, they are 30 days away from going across into the promised land. God says, right before I take them across, I want you to get up. So he stands up and he starts to tell them the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He starts to tell them about the time that they were in the wilderness. And he's reminding them now of how God brought them to the place where they're sitting at Mount Horeb. Let's start reading at verse 40. Because there was a generation that for 40 years he said that I'm going to walk you through this desert. And this generation that refused to go to the promised land, I'm going to kill off. He said, except there's two of you. There's Joshua and there's Caleb. And I will build a new generation from Joshua and Caleb, and they're the ones that will go in. So here's what he, he says in verse 40. He says, but as for you, turn and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Then you answered and said to me, we have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight just as the Lord our God commanded us. And when every one of you had girded up his weapons of war, you were ready to go up into the mountain. So God sends them to go fight. And then they go across the mountain and they refuse to fight. They tell God that there are too many people over in Canaan for us to do it. God says, okay, since you're not going to go, you're going to go around the desert 40, for 40 years. They, said, they came back to God and said, nope, we'll, we'll do it now. We don't want to walk around the desert for 40 years. So watch what happens. Verse 42. And the Lord said to me, tell them, don't go up to fight, for I'm not among you, lest you be defeated before your enemies. In other words, God said, don't try to go now. And he says, I told you to go. You told me no. 
Now if you go, you're going by yourself in your own strength and in your own power. How many of us have done some stuff in our own strength and our own power, right? He says, so I spoke to you and you would not listen, but rebelled against the command of the Lord. And presumptuously you went into the mountain and the Amorites who dwelt in the mountain came out against you and chased you as bees do. And they drove you back from Seir to Hormah. He says, then you returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord could not listen to your voice nor give ear to you. So you remained in Kadesh, somebody shout Kadesh, for many days according to the days that you spent there. He said, then chapter 2, go into chapter 2 because the Bible was not written in verses and chapters. It was one continuous letter. Chapter 2 says, then we turned to the wilderness, into, uh, we, tur- we journeyed rather into the wilderness uh, of the way of the Red Sea as the Lord spoke to me. And we skirted Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me saying, you have skirted this mountain long enough, turn northward. Verse 46 says, you remained in Kadesh many days. Many days means about two years. Somebody shout two years. Then he says, and you skirted Mount Seir for many days. Those many days were about 38 years. And then after about 40 years of them wandering through the wilderness, God finally tells him in verse 3, you've skirted this mountain long enough, turn northward. I want you to look at somebody and say, turn northward. So tell somebody else, amazing faith. We're doing our series on It's Amazing, recapturing the amazement of God. And today we're going to talk about God, amazing faith. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I do bless you and I thank you, God. And I pray now that your grace and your hand will be on us as we teach and preach the gospel. I pray that the energy of the Holy Spirit would inspire us and move us. As we preach and teach, I pray for the strength of the Holy Ghost. I pray, God, that you would just water this place with your anointing so that we can hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying and so that we can preach what you want the people of God to hear today. I do bless you and I do thank you for this now. In the matchless name of Jesus, who is the Christ, let everybody shout amen. 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 Give God a hand praise. Look at somebody next to you and just tell them. Look at, look at somebody next to you and just simply tell them, uh, it's okay, it's church. Tell them, you can smile, it's okay, it's church. It's all right, it's no need to. I know, it's, a little, it's an hour earlier than we'd be having church, but it's church nonetheless. Amen to Jesus. I woke up this morning and I was like, I know I don't hear noise in my house at <laughs> when the sun's still down. And this wife trying to get ready for church. I was like, good God almighty. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we give God the praise that we are, are here. Um, God spoke to me Thursday, and I want to share with you something that God said to me Thursday about your life, my life, the life of this house, and the life of any person that is going to please God. And God told me that the just shall live by faith. Somebody shout faith. faith. Say that loud, shout faith. That the just shall live by faith. We are called believers for a reason. We are called believers because we have chosen to exercise some sense of belief or faith in what we don't possess right now. And God is pleased with faith. It's in It's important to understand that above your service and above your work and above your praise and above your dancing and above your shouting and above your consistency with church, God wants your faith. God is excited by faith. God is moved by faith to the degree that the scripture says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can do a whole bunch of things that we believe make God feel happy. We think that our praise makes him happy with us. And we think that our consistency makes him happy and our giving makes him happy. But the scripture says what makes him happy above all is when people walk and exercise their faith. Faith cannot be taken away from your Christian experience. Faith should not be pulled away from your journey with God. God sometimes blesses us so good that we just wait for manifestation and never really exercise faith for a greater manifestation. 
because he puts mercies and graces in our lives that we are oftentimes satisfied simply with what grace and mercy supplies. And while that is a reason to say amen, the Bible says that I'm going to give you grace and mercy. I'm going to let those follow you all the days of your life. But if you're going to walk in the God-sized thing, if you're going to move in the thing that's bigger than what you can perform on your own, if you're going to stand in the promised thing that God put deep in your spirit, you are going to have to exercise faith. Somebody shout faith. Somebody say faith. Faith is, it is, it is a key of sorts. Faith is a key that unlocks the spiritual dimension to men and to women. Faith is the entry pass code. It's the currency that works in the spirit. Faith is not like your it, 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 it is like your money to this degree. It's like money to the degree that it is the gold that backs your dollar. Like your dollar really doesn't have any, any worth. It's just paper that represents gold. And, and if there's no gold somewhere back in your paper, your paper is worthless to everybody, to anything. So at a place called Fort Knox, they have gold that is backing your dollar. And gold is like faith. And, and the dollar bill that you have is like your work. So now the work that we have proves our faith, but our faith is not our work. So you're saying, Pastor, but I do a lot of good stuff. Isn't that exercising faith? No, because you have the paper don't mean you've got the gold. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But, it, but you do have to understand that I cannot believe that you have gold if you can't show me the paper. So James says faith like this. He says faith without works is dead. In other words, he says, and you say that you've got faith, but I'll show you my faith by my work. What he's not saying is for you to just go do stuff and be busy with stuff that doesn't have spiritual backing behind it. What he's saying is that if you know you've got spiritual backing, then you should be doing stuff. I'm going to say that again. If you know that God is backing what, you're going to, what you should be doing, then you should busy your life doing what you know God is backing. Because God is moved by faith. Somebody shout faith. Maybe I should unpack faith a little bit more for you because we miss the dynamic that is associated with faith because we hear it so much that it's just belief. And all I should do is just sit in my room and, and will it to be and believe that it is. And, and, and faith is not that. Faith is the genesis of faith is God. God is the center of all things faith. And when God wants to get something in the earth, he takes an idea from heaven and pulls it out of his mind and puts it into your spirit. And now you have the weight of what God's been thinking about on your spirit. The problem is, is that God is in the unseen world and his ideas are in the unseen world. And God takes his unseen idea and puts it in the unseen part of you, which is your spirit. The thing about getting God's glory is that what is not seen doesn't give God glory until it is seen. So that has to come out of your spirit and into the real world in order for God to get the glory. So because you've got God's idea in your spirit don't mean you've done something for the kingdom yet. You have to get it out of your spirit into manifestation. And when the word became flesh, uh, when, the, when the thought of God became manifest, then God was able to get glory out of Jesus. And this is the way it works with us, is God takes his idea, he puts it in our spirit. You've got an idea of God in your spirit, a burden from God that weighs heavy in your spirit. Maybe it's just me, maybe it's just, uh, you know, my neighbor next to me, but if I got anybody that's got a, got a burden in their spirit, lift your hand and let me know you're in here. Just, it's a burden. It's, I don't have it in my hand, but I know I'm supposed to be walking in it. I don't have it in my hands, but I know I'm supposed to be doing it. I don't, I haven't, it's not manifest yet, but I know that it, it weighs me down. I see it 
in my visions and I see it while I'm sleeping. And if, if somebody else is doing it, my spirit jumps, my baby leaps. I, I know that there's a burden, in a, a weight of something in my spirit. Well, what is that? That is the idea of God that has been placed on your spirit and it shows itself. What I, can, what I see is not visible in my spirit, but in, in order for me to get to what I see, I have to exercise faith to pull it out of the unseen and pull me toward it so we can meet in the same dimension. I'm going to help you with faith real quick for a few moments because faith is not built. Uh, you cannot build your faith off of everything that you see. You can only build your faith off of the weight of what God has placed in your spirit. We, we, you, know, you know how it is today. Y'all open up magazines and y'all just see a big car and now you want to have faith. You really want it. That, that's not faith. That's you really wanting it. You see somebody in a big old house that none of y'all can afford to live in and now you can't sleep at night because you're having dreams over this big old house that's going to make you go broke to try to stay in. You'll have the house, but you can't cut the air on in it. You know, you have these big old cars and you can't afford to get it tuned up. I, I know how, you know, it ain't you, it's your neighbor. So, but, but that's not faith. That's what I want. And you can will yourself to get some things that you want in this life. The problem is, is that God is not obligated to bless what you want. He is obligated to bless what he has put in your spirit to desire. That's why he said, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, let's unpack desire. The word desire means the yearning of your heart. Well, what develops your yearning? The idea of God. So God puts a thirst deep in your spirit. You pant and you want it. And God says that when you pant and want what I put in your spirit, you will chase it. And the only way to manifest it is to exercise your faith. So now faith is a weight or the substance of the thing that I see or that I'm hoping would happen in my life and it is the evidence of what I can't see I can feel my faith before I can see my faith and when you've got a burden for something larger than what you have God is saying you've got to exercise faith in order to get it you're not going to will the thing that God has for your life you're not going to will it to yourself you don't have enough money to make it happen your relationships and your connections are not enough to get it to pass am I talking to anybody in here if your whole circle sat down they opened gave you their whole bank accounts you what God has put in your spirit is so big you ought to push all their money back in the middle of the table and say that's not even going to be the down payment for what God has really put in my soul and in my spirit well how are you going to get to it I've got to exercise my faith and God said that without him it's without, without faith without that kind of pursuit it's impossible to please God so watch this you can't please God ignoring all the big stuff he put in your spirit you, you cannot make happy ignoring all of the weight that God has placed in your spirit just because you don't want to go through the process to get there. You, you don't please God by, by refusing the enormity of what God has placed in your spirit because the just shall live by faith. Faith is the center. It is the substratum of getting beyond what you can do into what you're supposed to be doing. It is the basis of getting beyond what you have into what you are supposed to have. Through faith is the way that God gets things out of his mind into the real world. And, and the only way you take territory in the kingdom is that you operate in the economy of the kingdom. And that is by exercising your faith. Somebody shout faith. Somebody shout faith. I'm not talking about hope and wishful thinking. I'm not talking about fingers crossed. I'm talking about clearing your heart and mind out and saying, God, what is the thing you put on my heart? Habakkuk said it like this. Habakkuk said that when I got a burden, chapter 1, he says, I got this heavy burden, and, and I couldn't shake the burden. And God told me, as it related to the burden, write the vision of the burden down and make it plain. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He said, he said, he said, now, he said, you see what it is that I want for you. Now start to strategize how you're going to get the enormous thing that I put in your spirit. You cannot ignore your burdens. 
So this is what else did God say about faith? Well, he said that you didn't make faith happen. He said, I'm the one that made faith happen. He said, I'm the author and the finisher of faith. And the, and the scripture says in the book of John, he says that God has given each of us, a, or Romans, uh, God has given each of us a measure of faith. So everybody, watch what God does now. God has says that not only am I the author and the finisher of faith, I'm the one that gave you the faith that I'm going to make sure it gets to the end. So now, everybody in this room, you will never be able to convince me that you cannot be accomplishing more in this lifetime than what you've been accomplishing because God said that you've got the faith to believe for more than what you have. Why? He said, because I put it there. God has given everybody a measure. Somebody shout a measure. Yours might be different than mine, but you got some. Yours might be different than the person next to you, but you got some. You've got some. You've got the ability that God put inside of you to believe beyond your current circumstance and to, and to demand of the spirit world that it provides you with the resources, opportunities, and the blessedness for you to move from where you are right now into the next level that God has called for your life. And the next level is what God is looking for. And that's why when God spoke to me when, uh, Thursday, God told me to tell us and to remind this house that there's another level that you have in you. There's another level he's expecting of your life. Somebody ought to shout amen. There's another level that God is expecting in your character, in your behavior, in the way you do life, in the expectations of your life. There's another level. Somebody shout, there's another level. There's another level. And it's a level that is going to, is going to move you out of your comfortability. It is a level that is going to make you uncomfortable in being comfortable. It's a level that's going to make you use parts of your system that you haven't had to use in a long time. It's a part of you that's going to make you exercise the fruits of the spirit because where you are right now, you don't, it don't even challenge your brain where you are right now. You're on automatic. Some of y'all are on automatic right now. God is saying that the next level is going to force you to take the car off of automatic and you're going to have to manage Manually start making some decisions to get yourself out of where you are to where God wants you to be. But it's not going to be by accident. It's going to be because you walked in. Somebody shout faith. Faith, faith, faith. I cannot say this more. I cannot give this to you enough. I wish I could lay it on your heart the way I feel it in my spirit and feel it in my heart. That God at this point in time is calling his church back to doing the miraculous. He is calling his church back to doing the impossible. He is calling his people back to wanting more than what their life says they should have. He is calling us back to, uh, to defying the odds and going over the norms. He is calling us back. Do you know something about people that do do have faith. I learned this about people that do have faith. To people that walk in faith, nothing is impossible to them. See, it's, to people that don't have faith, absolutely nothing is impossible. Because every time they come to a journey, point, a point in their journey, they always believe beyond where they are. And everything that is possible, they've got to believe beyond what is possible. And they've got to walk into the impossible. And the only way they get there is by faith. And God expects us to live a life that is constantly moving us from one impossible thing to another impossible thing. But you've got to get over yourself and over where you feel and over what didn't work for you and over all the people that say that you don't deserve to have it and say that my faith is not chasing your applause. My faith is chasing what God put in my spirit and if I chase what God put in my spirit, watch this, I got to leave where I'm at. I got to leave where I am. So now, uh, faith, somebody shout faith. The lesson of faith is found here in the book of Deuteronomy. It is found the lesson uh, of what to do and what not to do. If you want to read the whole story, go to Numbers chapter 10, and it will tell you the story of God gathering the children of Egypt uh, of Israel, Moses as their leader, leading them out of Egypt into the, into, um, uh, 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 the land that he promised them. They sit by the, ri the, the river, rather, and they are looking at what God promised them. According to Numbers 13, God told Moses to send over a couple of guys to take a look at the land and bring back the, the, uh, a survey of the land. He sends 12 people over into Canaan, which is what the land is called, the promised land. He sent 12 people over the thing that God promised Abraham and was going to bring it to pass through Moses and his generation. They go and they come back after having seen the land and Ten of the 12 people told Moses, it is impossible for us to overtake that land. 
the land and the terrain itself is something we're not used to. He told them that the people there are, are they are anak. They are from the lineage of Goliath. They're taller than us. They're bigger than us. They've got cities that we ain't never seen before. They have fortified walls. In other words, they've got walls that if we went in and tried to fight and tear them down, we don't have the ability to tear them down. So there is no way that we can go and inhabit the land that God told us to inhabit. Go tell God that he must have had the wrong people or he sent us to the wrong land for us to, to overtake because it is impossible for us. In fact, the Bible says that they said to us, we look like grasshoppers in our own sight as it related to the people in the land that we're supposed to take. And the Bible says that of the 12, two of them stood up, a guy named Caleb and a guy named Joshua. And they stood up and they said, Moses, we are less than. We don't have as many people. The cities are indeed fortified. I ain't never seen land like that before. I'm going to be totally honest with you. It does feel a little intimidating that the terrain, that even if we did beat the giants, even if we did knock down the walls, even if we did, I don't even know how we cut the grass because the grass is so high. And look how big the fruit is. The fruit is so big, we don't know how to manage it and can't handle it. How could we dare harvest this? We'd be overtaken by the land. He said, I can acknowledge that that is indeed a fact. But the problem is I don't deal in facts. I deal in truth. I deal in the truth of the word of God. And if God said that we are well able to overtake it, I don't care what the land looks like. I can overtake it. And they told Moses, we are well able. Listen, I want to talk to you about your promise. I don't care how big and how definite deafening it looks. I don't care how crazy and out of reach it looks. If God called you to it, there is nothing that is in your promise that can defeat you if God says, I am with you. And you've got to play like Caleb and like Joshua and declare to yourself and to your right now that I am well able. Somebody should repeat that after me. I am well. Say that again. I well, say it again. I am well. Man, you can do that thing with the power of God. Woman, you can pull it off with the power of God. Sister, you can handle it with the power of God. You are well able. But Moses, somebody shout, but Moses. But Moses chose to operate in a democracy instead of a theocracy, theo meaning God, demo meaning people, he, he chose to take the people's word for it instead of God's word for it. And Moses said, well, if they say we can't go, then we can't go. God said, Moses needs you to come over here and let me holler at you. He said, because they refuse to exercise faith for what I put in their spirit. He said, go back and tell them that instead of them going north into Canaan, he said, they're going to go south by way of the Red Sea. And they're going to do it until everybody in the generation that does not believe It'll take about 40 years to pull that off. He said, they'll be in the desert for 40 years. And when I'm ready, when they die off, I'll get the ones that are of a different spirit. He said, Joshua and Caleb are going to be the only two that's going to make it from all of these people, them and their children's generation, their generation. He said, because they had a different spirit inside of them. That's what your Bible says. I'm, I'm not saying, he said, the Bible says that because they had a different spirit inside of them. He says that they're going to make it because they have a different 
thing about them, that they, they look at obstacles as opportunities because they looked at problems as potential, because they looked at what they could not have and dared to ask the world, why can't I have it? And this is the mindset of Caleb and of Joshua. And God said that I'm going to take them because they've got a different spirit. And the reason why you're in this house today listening to me preach instead of all the rest of your family members is because you got a different spirit about you. God said that I, he said, I want you to inspire those people that have a spirit, that not people that have the thing. I just need them to have a spirit that they should have the thing. And if you can, am I talking to anybody in here? You don't always have to have it. You just got to believe that you should have it. And those are the kinds of people that get the most out of preaching and get the most out of prophecy and get the most out of the laying on of hands. It's not people that are afraid and want to stay where they are, but it's people that are saying, I know where I am, but I also know where I should be. And if you laying hands on me will release me out of my right now and take me to my next level, I'll be at every altar call that you have. If you preaching to me will get me out of my right now and release me to my next level, then I'll be at every service. Y'all don't come here because y'all like me. You come here because whatever is coming out of my mouth releases you to your next level. I wish I had some help in here. Grab your neighbor, say, release me to my next level. He says, he says, Caleb and Joshua will be the only two that go across. And everybody else, I'm not taking everybody else. He, said, he says, everybody else is going to wander the desert. Moses comes and says, Moses, he stops everybody in this place called Kadesh. And he says, hey guys, uh, God said, we ain't going over. And they said, why? He said, because when he told us to go north and fight, we said God wasn't able to do <laughs> what he said he was able to do. And if you understand the way God works, uh, the witness is important in Scripture. That's why the Bible talks about the echo of God, meaning that when God speaks it, it had to echo off of the planetary and, and all of things that he created so that he would speak it and he would hear it again. And this is why the writer said God has spoken once. God has spoken twice. The manifestation of the power belongs to God. He put it like this. He says, how can one, well, how can two walk together unless they agree? In other words, you've got to say it and somebody else has to say it. Out of the mouth of two or three, it'll be established in the earth. That means that somebody's got to be saying what God is saying in order for it to be established. And God said, when I said you were going to have the victory, you didn't repeat what I said. I wish I had some help in there. I want to talk to everybody in here that has given up on what God promised them, that have stopped believing what God said you could have. In this season of your life, I declare by the power of Jesus Christ that you'll begin to echo what God spoke to you. If God said millionaire, you declare millionaire. If God said homeowner, you declare homeowner. I don't care what it looks like, you've got to declare the word of the Lord establish it in your life somebody shout establish it the way it's established is you got to say it so what's this this is I want you to see how everything God does is is, is imperative Look, Kaya comes to me, and Kaya asks me for a piece of candy. I say, no, you can't have a piece of candy. So what Kaya does is she goes, and she gets the candy jar, and she takes it over to her mother and says, I ate dinner. Can I have my treat now? And mommy says, yeah, you can have a piece of candy for your treat. I saw it happening over in the corner. I said, hey, hey, hey. I told her she couldn't have none. I want you to hear how this works now because when God speaks, he needs somebody to echo it, to make it established. So... So, so what happens is in the earth, somebody said, well, wait a minute. If he said you can't have it, I'm saying you can't have it. Guess what? She couldn't have it. Why? Because it was established out of the mouth of, y'all don't read your Bible. You don't read your Bible. Out of the mouth of two, let it be established in the earth. God is saying, I'm waiting on you to say what I've been saying about you. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Somebody shall confess. Say that loud, shall confess. Confess is the Greek word phone, where we get telephone. It means to say the same thing as. In other words, when God says to confess something, God is saying, whatever you heard me say, say the same thing as what I just said about your life. So when I say that you're strong, he said, I don't care if you're weak, say you're strong. If I say that you're rich, I don't care if you're poor, say you're strong. I, I need somebody to raise their voice and say something to God this morning. They're sitting at Kadesh, and, and Moses is saying, y'all sit down for a second. I got about 10 more minutes of work. Moses says, Moses says, he said, we're at Kadesh. And Moses says, we're not going to go across because, you know, we, we didn't say the same thing God was saying. And the children of Israel said, oh, no, 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 no. We're we ready to go now. And they went and they picked up their arms and they took them about five days to sharpen their swords. And, Moses, and God told Moses, he said, you go down there and you tell them that they can go up there, but, they, but I'm not going with them. He said, and the worst thing you want to be is where God isn't. And he said, they can go and they can try to start that business, but, but they missed the season that I was blessing business startups. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. I'm going to rewind that so y'all can get that real quick. He said, no, 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 no. I told them five days ago to go across. I told them 30, 40 days ago, rather, to go across because that was the season that I was blessing their journey into Canaan. He said, and because they refused to have faith in the season of their faith, he says, now they can't go and exercise out of season because I'm not with them anymore. So you don't get to say now that I'm going to exercise faith when God has given when the season of faith is over. You have to exercise your faith in the season of the opportunity that your faith can be bloomed in. He said they can go up but I'm not going with them and they went up to try to make God do something and the Bible said that the Amorites ran them out like bees and bees in the middle of the desert were known to kill huge mammals, cows and cam uh, uh, um, camels and things along. Swarms, he said they came down on you like swarms of bees and they ran you back to this spot, Kadesh. He said, so, I said, so till the next season comes around, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that you're able to take advantage of the next season because none of y'all are going to be there when it happens. Kadesh. They're sitting in Kadesh. The Bible said that they were in Kadesh many days, and many days meant two years, about two years, they sat at the base of Kadesh. And this was the beginning of their wandering. They didn't immediately start wandering in the desert. God started the clock at that failure, and they sat in Kadesh. Now, Kadesh was the place. It was an interesting place. Kadesh was an interesting place because Kadesh really is, uh, you know, when it comes to Bible, you're always trying to define what every place means because most places that have a biblical name have a prophetic name. So you're able to understand the purpose of a thing based on the prophetic name of a thing. And you do, and the studiers of scripture will do the same thing with this idea of Kadesh or Kadesh Barnea, which is its, its proper name. But the Bible only uses the word Kadesh in this particular book. And it's baffling. It baffles all the scholars. It baffles the scholars because Kadesh really doesn't have a meaning per se. It does have a meaning, but it really don't have a meaning. And I'm going to help you understand what I mean when I say that. Um, uh, Kadesh is the word, and it somewhat sort of loosely means holy. And, and Barnea is built out of this word Beth. It, it is the word that basically loosely means uh, well or watering spot. So what, what Kadesh Barnea is, is it's really not a city per se. It's just uh, the word Kadesh Barnea is just a description of where they are. That's all it is. It's just a description of where they are. The problem with Kadesh Barnea is the reason why we know it's not a place is because almost everything in the Bible is verified by secular historical context, meaning that there is a person or there's a group of studiers who are not necessarily trying to prove the faith that are able to say that Mount Sinai really does exist or Mount Horeb really does exist or Mount Moriah really does exist. Well, when it comes to Kadesh Barnea, there is no, no secular uh, um, history says that it exists. So it's a place that really doesn't exist, even though to the children of 
of Israel, it does exist. So it doesn't have a meaning behind it, but it exists. And it's not that it doesn't have a meaning. It just doesn't have a meaning that anybody can necessarily easily ascertain. And to everybody else in the world, us included, it really doesn't exist. Because if I didn't read it in my Bible, I can't find it on a map and I can't find it in a history book because to the rest of the world, this place doesn't exist. So now Kadesh Barnea actually represents a place that, 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 that only matters to the children of Israel. And this is an interesting thing because sometimes we go through things in life that the rest of the world will never validate and it only matters to you. And if you pick up the phone and call everybody and try to, try to fuss about it and complain about it, they don't really have a whole lot of time for it because that's important to you. It's not important to the rest of the world. It's not messing with my money. It's not going to hurt my family. It's not going to ruin my name or my reputation. This is one of those things that only deal, that only uh, affect you. It's your, it's your Kadesh Bar, Bar, Barnea. It's your Kadesh. And because it has no meaning, they had to make it have meaning. And they struggled to make this area have meaning because even in their journeying south there were things that took place interestingly enough in Kadesh that were different than every other place uh, that they went to so what happens now is God tells them to get up and leave this place that that you're in they were so perplexed by the by what just happened to them that they sat in Kadesh for two years before they started even moving they they have you ever been through something that paralyzed your whole journey and just and it messed up your whole life you ever been through something in your life that just, I mean, it just, I don't want to get out of bed and I don't want to talk to nobody about it. I don't want to explain it because if I tell you, then you'll try to fix it and I don't want it to be fixed right now because I really don't know what's broken, but I know something is broken because I'm not what I was and I'm not, am I preaching to anybody? Is there anybody that has ever been in a season of Kadesh in their lives? God says, get up and leave Kadesh. Gladly we'll get up and leave Kadesh. And, and Kadesh is, is where they landed. They come and they, they decided that Kadesh is, is the place that I can't wait to leave, even though I have not quite defined what Kadesh means to me. I can't really describe what, what happened to me when I was a teenager means to me. I, I, can't really, I haven't really been able to put in context what happened in my relationships to make it make sense for me to be able to move on. I, I can't really figure out how to make sense of the season. I lost all my this. I lost all my that. I just know that, I, that, that, that it's all good as long as I can get up and leave Kadesh. Moses said they got up and they left Kadesh and then they started to head south and then they would go east and then they would go south and then they would come west and then they would come back north till they got to Kadesh. Then they would go east, then they would go south, then they would go east, then they would go south, then they would go west, then they would go north till they got to Kadesh. Then they would go east, then they would go south, then they would go east, then they would go west, then they would go uh, uh, north until they got to Kadesh. And this was the cycle of their journey for 38 more years. They went till they got to Kadesh, and then they went east, and they went south, and then they went east, and then they went south, and then they went west, and then they went north. And then they went east till they got to Kadesh. Then they went east. Then they went south. Then they would go east. Then they would go south. Then they would go west. Then they would go north until they got to Kadesh. And then they would go east. And then they would go south. Then they would go east. And they would go south. Then they would go west. Then they would go north until they got to Kadesh. And Kadesh is a really interesting place. Focus on me for a second. Don't worry about what's happening outside. Y'all focus on me. Kadesh is an interesting place because everything God promised them was just north of Kadesh. But they had done something that many of us do is they had gotten into a rut and into a routine. They had gotten into a rut and into a routine. Watch this. And, and they had gotten so much of a rut into a routine that their rut and their routine included the limits that they could not go past Kadesh. 
Everything God promised them was past Kadesh, north of Kadesh. But they had gotten into such a rut that everything that they desired, they had gotten into such a routine that they had gotten, they had gotten, they had normalized stopping at the threshold that held the key to their blessing. And every time they got close, they go east and they go south and they go east and they go south. Then they go west, then they go north. I wonder how many routines have you built in your life? How many routines do you have? I, I want to talk, talk to some people that, that have dealt with some routines. Somebody shout routine. I mean, I want to talk to some, you, you, you've had this mindset so long. It's no wonder why don't nobody love you for long periods of time. You've had this mindset so long. It's no wonder why you ain't started the business that God told you. It's, you've had this mindset so long. It's no wonder why you fourth generation poverty and welfare. You've had this mindset so long. It's no wonder why you can't keep good friends because you've had this mindset. Oh, every Every time you, you go through life, you are so accustomed to going east and going south and going east and going south and going west and going north. And then some preacher says, you can come out. But because your mindset says that Kadesh is my threshold, you stop at what could be your blessing. And you go east and you go south. And it's not because you don't have aptitude. It's because your mind has been wrapped in the routine of mediocrity. And you can never go from where you are to where you should be if your limit is what you don't understand. I wish I had some help in here. I wish I was talking to a handful of folk that have been in circles and you're tired of going through circles and you're saying, God, you've got to get me past what I don't understand. He takes them through and a funny thing happens. Around Mount Horeb, God which would have been east, south, east, south, west, Mount Horeb would have been about here. God said, Moses, he said, look here, y'all been going around Mount Seir too long. Mount Seir is about 70 miles long, about 35 miles wide. It's basically the mountain structure that they walked around when they was going through the desert. All of it wasn't the mountain structure, but it was the big, biggest piece of land in between they're wandering through the desert and God stops him in my heart he says listen he said you have been around this mountain enough now you got to understand mountains because if you don't get mountains then you'll never understand what was happening here because mountains are a type of revelation mountains are a type of expression mountains whenever God gets ready to reveal he takes them to a mountain Whenever God gets ready to reveal, he moves people to a mountain. He says, I want to reveal myself to you, Abraham, as Jehovah Jireh, so take your son up this mountain. That's what he does. He says, Moses, I want to reveal to you my law. Take, this, take yourself and come up to this mountain. Every time you go to a mountain in Bible, there's revelation that takes place. God tells Peter, James, and John, he says, hey, man, I want to transfigure and show you that I am the law and the promise. He says, so come up to the top of Mount Transfiguration. Watch this. When God got ready to reveal himself as being God over everything he told Jesus about this thing called Golgotha it's a mountain he said go to the mountain of Golgotha because mountains represent revelation mountains represent that God is trying to do something God well now watch this because they walked for 38 years around the mountain and God stopped them and he didn't say that man this desert he didn't say hey Moses y'all been walking through this desert long enough he says Moses you have been walking around this mountain long enough what is it that he said Moses you have gotten all you can get out of this revelation he said, you have been walking in, a, in, the, in the revelation of this for so long that this revelation isn't working for your life anymore. He said, you've been walking in the revelation of last season, hoping that it can produce for you in this season what it produced in for you last season. You got to get a fresh word. He said, you've been walking around these mindsets. Who told you you couldn't be good? Who told you you couldn't be debt free? Who told you you couldn't be whole in your body and mind? Who told you you were going to have to take medicine your whole life? Who told you these things? You've been walking around that revelation of who you should be long enough. Am I preaching to anybody in here? He said, he said you've been walking around this revelation. Too much. And God sent me here this morning to preach to people that have been, that's tired of walking around in circles. 
Am I talking to anybody in this place? I'm exhausted with, with, the, with, with all this effort with the same outcome. I'm tired of all this work with the same outcome. And now I don't have more territory in the kingdom. I just got an extra year in my life. And I'm moving with yesterday mindsets and yesterday's strategies and yesterday's uh, opportunities. I'm trying to make yesterday work. And God is saying, stop in my heart because this revelation is gone. And sometimes you got to, I think one thing that we don't do good in the Christian community is we don't bury well. We, we don't bury well. We bury things three feet deep, and when the dust comes, it blows it over, and the thing that was dead raises itself up every so often. And then we, y'all ain't talking back to me. So, so we got to have church this way, and we got to have life that way. And yeah, it worked for your grandmama, but your grandmother's deceased now. It worked for your great-grandma, but your great-grandmother's deceased now. It worked for a church that didn't have the internet and cell phones and conversation. It worked for that, but that's, that era is gone now, and you cannot try to resurrect what has been dead. We've got to get better at burying what God says I'm done with. And there are some mindsets that you haven't buried deep enough. There are some thought processes about yourself that you haven't buried deep enough. And God is saying that I called you here today to give you another holy shovel so that you can bury those mindsets and bury the stuff they said about you and bury the things that you believe about yourself and you can put them where they belong, under your feet. Watch what he tells him. He says, I want you to sit everybody down at Horeb and number them. Get them in order because, because things that flow have to be in order. He says, number them. Sit them in this ground. He said, then give them the law again. Tell them what I expect from them. Why, God? Because this is the moment that they're going to go into what I promised them. He said, Moses said, but, he said, but, he said, I got them here. He said, I got, he said, but what, but now I've told them everything you told me, tell them what do you want me to do with them? Read the last scripture. He said, you've been around you have skirted this mountain too long, long enough. Turn ye northward. Yes, Period. No east and south and east and south, then west, then north, then east and south. No, northward. Period. God said because, because what I'm doing right now is not going to require a plan B. I'm going to help. Y'all better, somebody better catch it. Is that God is responding to plan A, not your plan B. I wish somebody would catch it. God is responding to what he told you, not what you modified it to. I need somebody to catch it. God is responding to what he spoke in your spirit, not in what you've trimmed it down to be because you couldn't think or you think you couldn't perform it. God is responding. He said, go ye northward. He said, we could do that. We'll go past Sinai. That's no problem. He said, we could do that. He said, we can go past Horeb. No problem. We could do that. We can go past Horeb. We could do that. He said, it's no problem. But, but God, you know, I'm back at Kadesh. Now, I got I to gotta get through what I don't understand. He said, he said how am I going to get through what I don't understand? Because you never gave me answers as to why I was molested. How am I going to get through how, what I understand? You never gave me answers as to why my family failed. He said, how am I going to get through Kadesh? Because you never gave me answers as to why my business dropped off the map. 
He said, you know, how am I going to get through the place that you're not explaining yourself? Because some preacher got up and told me you was going to tell me everything that you was going to do. And I was going to get an explanation. And I was going to be able to walk in knowledge and in wisdom. But instead, you're saying I got to walk in faith because faith pleases you, not my knowing pleases you. I wish I was preaching to somebody in here. God sent me here to tell you that he's going to take you to the next level. But it's going to happen because you've got the faith to believe that whatever you don't understand, he's all already fixed it, worked it out, and it's going to work in your favor. You ought to give God a shout of praise in here this morning. Watch this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Even if I can get through Kadesh, what's going to happen to those Canaanites? Did you move the Amorites? Did you make sure that the Amalekites weren't in the land? God says no. <laughs> he said the same thing that you had to have faith for then, you're going to have to have faith for now that I am with you. And you are going to do the impossible. It's still impossible, but you're going to do it. It's still not logical, but you're going to do it. I heard a songwriter say a couple days ago that I'm not trying to make my life make sense, but I am trying to make it make faith. And in this season of your life, you're going to perform what people are going to say why are you trying that why are you doing that and all you got to say back to them is it might not make sense but it is going to make faith and as long as I got faith in God it will happen the way God said it would happen I need somebody that believes that to stand to your feet and give God a shout I said give God a shout don't patty cake and play with God put your mouth on it put your praise on it reverberate in the earth what he's spoken in heaven let the devil know that there's a witness he said he said turn and go north and all the stuff that you did not think that you could get through hold on hold on all the stuff that you failed in because Kadesh was an interesting place. It was where Miriam died. It was where Moses struck the rock instead of spoke to the rock. It was, a, it was an interesting place. It was where the children of Israel murmured against God. It was the place where every time they got there, they gave their destiny back. And there are some spaces in your life Where you keep giving your destiny back. If the right back, if the right environment shows up, you you give your destiny back. I'm not sure if it was first service or second service where a brother was worshiping God and he fell out on the floor and the brothers were hugging him and and I told the church, I said, don't judge what you see because you don't know the cost that it took to have that praise. Listen, this brother came up to me in the parking lot and he said, Pastor, I'm so sorry. Because, you know, I'm going to try to keep us off the floor if we can. And he said, Pastor, I'm so sorry. I was just excited. I said, well, what was you so excited about? Because what, here's what y'all don't know. Is that for 16 years, this brother lived in his car at the top of the hill. He comes down every so often and we give him 10 15 $20 to sweep to help up around the church. And he's been super helpful. He watches everything. He keeps it there. But he's been a drug addict for a very long time. He told me I could tell this. So I'm not. He's been a drug addict for a very long time. And about two months ago, he got an opportunity to go with some family down in Texas. He came to the church. He said, Pastor, I'm going to be leaving, man. I'm going to go and I'm going to take this opportunity to get myself together. When he got down to Texas, he got sick. They took him to the hospital. And he said that they, whatever bacteria he had, they had to clean his blood. And the doctor told him that, man, you got so much poison in your blood from drugs that you could kill a cow. That's what he said. He had to come back and get some things because God opened up some things that his mother left for him. It was this amazing testimony. That's his personal business. His mother left some things. He had to come back and he had to sign. And the day that he was dancing and shouting, he was counting them on his hands. He was 32 days sober. 
32 days. Did you hear what I'm telling you? And we're going to keep believing God for his continued deliverance. Because he was just excited. He heard the word and he was like, yes, I remember. Because it was just a month ago. Was that first service or this service? It was this service? 32 days sober. Said his blood could have killed a cow. It was so poisonous with drugs and stuff. He got to his Kadesh. And he said, I got faith to believe that my best days are not behind that mountain. But, and I'm going to have to work my way through some more battles. I got some Amorites and I got some Hittites and I've got some Canaanites and I got some things I got to battle. But I'm going. And, and God sent me here to tell you, sir, ma'am, in these closing moments, you have to go. You have to go. You got to release your faith and try something that God's put in your spirit. Don't try what you see another man graced for. Try what God put in your spirit. You got to go. Amazing faith. That's what he gave you. He gave you amazing faith. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. I want you to tell yourself, I'm going to do this thing. Tell yourself, tell yourself, I'm going to do this thing. The help and the power of